Principal Podcast. I am your co-host, Zach Lino, Fremont High School Assistant Principal. And I am the proud principal, Scott Sherman. Welcome to our podcast. All right. We are joined today by Fremont Public School Superintendent Ken Haggard. Ken comes to us today with 38 years of experience as an educator. He's been a coach, a teacher, an athletic director, assistant principal, and superintendent. Pretty much done it all. Ken, that's an incredible... 38 years you've you've kind of been in the lives of students. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey as an educator? Uh, sure. And it uh, started way back in 1985, and I was hired as a teacher at Holton Public Schools. And uh, I remember in the first year, the number of parents, number of issues, the number of concerns with all these kids, and just being overwhelmed by being a first-year teacher. Um, and it took probably five or six years before you started having your teaching routine down so you felt comfortable enough to have a plan, a curriculum, and, and then they would move you to a different grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Back then, that you may or may not have had certification in. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You, back then, it was... Uh, you were uh, certified in many grades. You know, back then it was, uh, I think, 7, 12, and K-6 um, when we started and uh, changed uh, somewhat over the years and mm-hmm. made it harder and harder to get certified. And of course, we've seen the results of that, too. And you, uh, you're you a UP guy, right? You uh, you come from the UP? Yes. Okay. Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Gotcha. And where did you go to your, what did you do your undergrad? I did my uh, part of my undergrad at Northern Michigan University and did the rest at Central Michigan. And you taught when you got to Holton. What did you initially start teaching? When I was first hired at Holton, I taught uh, middle school. Okay. I taught middle school for 10 years. It's like holding on to a tornado. It is. <laughs> it is. Keeps you young. That's right. And then um, when it, an opportunity presented itself, um, the building high school principal asked if I would switch to the high school to teach um, um, American history and government. Okay. And so I ended up switching to the, um, to be a high school teacher, but in Holton was small enough. So middle school and high school. Sure. Pretty connected, right? Yeah. Pretty connected. Gotcha. And you, you taught for how long? So I taught for 20 years, 20 years. Okay. And during that time period, uh, you had a chance to do a lot of coaching. Can you tell us about those experiences? Uh, yes. Um, I had the opportunity to coach a variety of sports. I And I tell this to people, but I coached football. Okay. <clears throat> I coached wrestling. Okay. And I coached volleyball. And I coached boys baseball. Okay. I directed the theater for 12 years. <laughs> and I um, uh, assisted in other areas where I didn't have the expertise but could help uh, kids and people, and I was always uh, so. You were the Swiss Army knife over in Holton, huh? <laughs> Jeez, I was. was. That's awesome. But really, we tell our teachers um, that we're we're really not teaching subject matter. We're really not coaching sports. We're teaching and coaching kids, and sure. so it doesn't really matter as long as you have the background. What the topic is? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. You know, it was an opportunity 
um, as long as my wife was okay with it, and she was most of the time, um, to be able to. It's one thing to see kids in a classroom, and it's another opportunity to see kids learn outside the classroom. Oh, most definitely. And when you have those together, you get to watch special things happen, whether it's on the court or the field um, or in clubs. You know, different people have different talents. So um, it was good to see those kids uh, perform outside of school just from a different perspective. So, Ken, you've spent 38 years in this business. Uh, It takes a lot of time, energy, and effort to do all the things that you've done over the course of your career. What seems to be the thing that's motivated you throughout that time period? Uh, the time away from family, the, the energy and effort to do a good job. What's, what's been your primary motivation? Um, you know, I think it was probably, most importantly, as mentioned before, just the opportunity to work with kids. If you are a teacher, you know, you, you have to understand that as a teacher, you start school as a kindergartner. You know, like these these guys right here started right. school as kindergartners, and you never leave. Right. From the time you're five years old to the time you are 60 years old, you never didn't go to school every August. Sure. And, but it's addicting. Mm. It's addicting. You, you, your life is focused around school. You watch the graduates go off to the universities or to the military or to trade school, and they go on to have their own careers and their own families, and that's a pleasure to watch. But you yourself keep gearing up, keep gearing up, sure. keep gearing up, and uh, it's a uh, it becomes a way of life. It literally Absolutely. becomes a way of life. Well, I know uh, I can share that sentiment when you see that, that kid that you had in class, and they're in a the grocery store with their own kids, and you just go, man, oh, man. I remember when you were sitting in that uh, seat in my classroom. You've had to have had that experience a ton of times. Can you share one of those experiences that you were like, oh, my goodness, I remember you from way back. You've had that experience. Tell us uh, uh, about those experiences. It's funny. You just mentioned uh, this morning I got called by a kid who played linebacker for me in 1988. (laughs) Okay. And so just a couple years after you started. Just a couple yeah, after years. Right, right. In fact, he's getting close to retirement himself. <laughs> and he, uh, there was a, he became a lumberer. Mm-hmm. And he had heard that Fremont was going to be doing some management of our, some of our properties. Okay. So he called me. I'm talking a long, long time. And he just said, hey, Mr. Hager, how you doing? Sure. I, uh, this, this is Kenny calling. And I have, I've heard this is happening. And. Uh, you want to get together and have a cup of coffee and talk about your <laughs> sure. forest products or whatever you need. And I said, yeah, so that, that happens all the time. The The best thing is when you get to follow kids who stay closer to home. Sure. Um, you know, like Phil Green is a police officer. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I had him in school, uh, and he's in the Fremont community. Um, the different athletes you have, but also just the different kids who are good band students or sure. a theater program. Yep. I was the only theater director who directed with a whistle. <laughs> and, and you gave me 20 if you didn't know your lines. <laughs> uh, what's kept you motivated um, in terms of um, in terms of you said every August? How do you get motivated every August? Um, well, the one of the things I think that people mistake is they often say that kids have changed 
over the last 40 years. And I don't think that's true at all. I think that kids are the exact same as they were, but the society and culture we live in has changed. Mm. And so kids have to make adjustments to that. Mm -hmm. Teachers have to make adjustments to that. Administrators have to make adjustments. Parents have to make adjustments to that. And that puts a lot of uh, sometimes stress and anxiety on everybody that's involved in those things. But to so that's first of all is that kids are all have always been the same. They laugh the same stuff. They what is funny in 1980 is funny in <laughs> 2022, um, and they all have dreams and goals and things they want to be when they grow up. And uh, in order for those dreams and you know goals to take place. You just want to have a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think that's the motivator, the motivator that gets you fired up. Here comes another year, kids. Sure. Let's. Uh, and seeing the longevity that you're, you're making an impact in long-term, their, their long-term lives is what, yes. is what drives it. There is nothing better than having a kid come back 15 or 20 years after high school in their Cadillac, <laughs> pulling up to the door. And coming in and saying, hey, Mr. Sherman, hey, Mr. Lino, just want to come back and say thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm now running this corporation or I'm doing this. Sure. You go, wow, there's nothing better, better than that. Well, you spoke of some changes. What, what do you think the biggest change you have seen in education is? Um, that's a big question. It's loaded. <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I think the biggest change in education over the last, I'm going to say, 10 years Ten to twelve years has been the outside influence of people who maybe don't have a solid grasp of education. So mm. our legislators mm. have impacted education, um, and um, politics has influenced education. Mm. And the um, and sometimes it's not like everybody's not trying to do the best they can. Everybody wants to see education. Everybody wants American kids to be the best in the world. We all have that goal. It's just trying to figure out what is the actual best way to, to becoming the best. And um, But I've seen more changes in education in the last 10 years than I've seen in the previous 40. Mm. So... Kind of leading from that is, you know, with all those changes in education, whether that's political, legal, whatever, you know, what's some advice that you could give to someone that we see in the hallways every day who says, man, I think I want to be a teacher. I think I want to be a teacher. What advice would you give them about getting into this profession? Well, for, again, for the last 10 or 12 years, there's been a a little bit of a knock on education and teachers because... Mm for a variety of reasons. Um, and so they they made some things more difficult to become a teacher. Mm. It made it harder to go through school to become a teacher. Mm. And they made it more difficult for teachers to do practicums and mm. things that they needed to get their certification. They made it, the testing for certification more difficult. Um, they've <clears throat> kept the pay the same over this same 10 or 12 year time period. Sure. They've reduced the retirement. They've reduced the insurance. Sure. And over that time period, people began not going into teaching. Sure. But there is still a, uh, that's beginning, the, the pendulum's beginning to swing back. Of course. And I think that it's a great time to get into teaching. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's kids uh, that have a passion for helping others. 
And if they could stay focused and say, hey, I think I want to be in a classroom, it's a life changer. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute life changer. You know, the three of us are perfect examples of that. Our whole lives changed just because we decided to stay in the classroom. Absolutely. So, uh, Mr. Haggard, you have spent, you know, over the course of your career, coach, teacher, athletic director, assistant principal, principal, superintendent, you've had a lot of leadership opportunities where you've had a chance to impact uh, a school or a district from a leadership role. What do you tell a leader or a teacher who wants to become a leader? What do you tell them? What advice can you give someone who wants to aspire to a leadership role or uh, a leader in a leadership role uh, from your experience? Um, so I, when I was in college, my, I, my degree was in history. Okay. Got a, a bachelor degree, bachelor arts degree in history. And what I realized when I was done with my Bachelor of Arts degree in history is that I really didn't know that much history. <laughs> so I decided that I'm going to go back to get a master's degree in history. Okay. So I spent another two and a half years getting a master's degree in history. And the first thing I realized when I got done with that is I knew less than I <laughs> knew when I had the Bachelor of Arts degree. <laughs> sure. And so uh, I would hope that people who get into education understand that, yeah, the good part is being with kids and the good part is teaching. But... I think your obligation is to always look to improve yourself, to, of course. to work to be the best you can be, to bring to improve your skill set and your mindset. Um, we have teachers who do it for five or six years and they burn out, and I think that's partially because they're just not supported. Okay. Um, but I also think we have teachers um, like Wendy St. Peter at the middle school. Yeah, of course. Um, or Mark Wynn at the high school who have simply dedicated their careers to um and they're really good teachers they got the same passion as, as we do absolutely they just do it day to day in the classroom you know we talk about at towards the end of our careers you know successes failures um and we we tend to kind of reminisce about those things are there any highlights that you're going to look back on and go, yeah, that was pretty great. Or, yeah, that wasn't so great. (laughs) Besides the funding crunch that we lived through. I mean, that was brutal. Sure. At the end of the day, there's probably more failures than there are successes um, that you remember. Because just like those football games you coached or those soccer games you coached, you remember all the wins? No, but you sure remember the close losses. Absolutely. Um, and I think that um, so you can you can harbor thoughts on some of the things that were struggles. But at the end of the day, you know some of the things that uh, here in Fremont that we've done uh, um, the passing of the sinking fund, the hiring of some really quality teachers over the last 10 years that are really making an impact on the classroom. Even some that we've had hired in the last year or two are just knocking it out of the park. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so you, and then and then the, the, the quality of kids that we produce or help produce in this district is just absolutely phenomenal. So I think that leads to a, another question that I have about, you know, you spent your time Primarily in your career in the Holton area, the Fremont area, 
what's something that you can say to the those communities uh, just as a, you know what, uh, spent most of my time here, spent a lot of my career here. Is there anything that you would like to pass along as a, as a sentiment to, to both of those communities? I know that, you know, you are, uh, when you were over in Holton, you, you spent a lot of time coaching, talking a lot about those, those people that you, uh, you were a teacher or a leader to like, like Phil Green, you know, a lot of these people, is there anything you'd like to share to those people? As, as but the we... one thing before you answer that, Ken, I'd like to point out when, when you decided to come to Fremont, you didn't necessarily leave Holton. You're still active within that Holton community and, in and, Everybody knows Mr. Haggard in, in Holton, and and so and just recently inducted into the Hall yeah. of Fame. Congratulations and, on that! Thank you. And and that's something that's pretty unique, pretty special. When somebody chooses a different path mm. and and still retains all of those relationships Absolutely. that you've amassed. So um, I just wanted to put that in there before you answered, Ken. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, it's about. The one thing I have noticed is that no matter what you do, no matter where you go, it's about relationships. Mm. I mean, we talk, the three of us talk about this all the time, but you can't, if you're willing to put the time into building relationships, whether it's with kids or with its staff or with its other adults, and they truly trust you, mm. then they're okay if you make changes. They're mm. okay if you take a different direction. Um you better check back with them every once in a while. They'll let you know. <laughs> sure, it. sure. But yeah, I think that that relationship piece is is bigger than than anything. Well, you know, Ken, as you start to transition from you know your career to retirement, is there anything you're looking forward to? Uh, is there anything that you're going, man? I can't wait until X. Uh, yeah, I've got some uh, Civil War battlefields that we're going to go take a look at. Excellent, uh, excellent. This summer, and um, are we talking Antietam, Gettysburg? What are we talking? I know you got a, I know you got that master's degree in history. <laughs> uh, you know they like it when you bring a metal detector out for those battlefields. <laughs> you get to, you get to pick anything you yeah, want. Just you got to, you got to go at night though. I hear yeah. that that's the best time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> we apologize to all of our national park people listening today. Uh, <laughs> so we got some traveling that we want to do. Good. I'd like to be able to pick up the golf clubs a little more often than I've been able to over the last 10 years and uh, Excellent. spend some time with my kids. Well, you know, Mr. Haggard, it has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, just from, from my personal perspective, you've been an inspiration to, to me and my career. And, and I know you have inspired so many people. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your thoughts. Um, thank you so much for all of your time, energy, and effort you put into so many people's lives. Thank you, Mr. Haggard, for your uh, your passion and your love. And that's what, we'll, that's what we'll burn long after you leave your desk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Packer Principles Podcast. I'd like to thank our producers, Gavin and Vernon Schuler, today for putting this together. And we will see you on the next one.